Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and I have a tiny doggo named Moose. Today's chat is with Chris and Machek of Clyde Henry Productions, and this episode is a little different than most of my chats since when I interview them, they refuse to answer my questions and instead interview me, and then go on to talk about how they let snails take over their studio space and paint the walls with their slime. So look forward to that. But before we jump into this very interesting chat, a little background on Chris and Machek, I was first made aware of their work back in 2007 when they created the magnificently beautiful stop motion film, Madame Tootly Pootly. And if you have not seen it, please go check it out now. It is absolutely amazing. And they made this with the National Film Board of Canada. And since then they've produced many more stunning short animated puppet and live action films and have worked on numerous puppet projects, including ones for Cirque du Soleil. So now without further ado, let's just jump into the chat. Hello, Chris and Mechik. How are you doing? Thanks for coming on the podcast. We're in great mood. Great. Great mood. mood. Yeah. Tell me, tell me some words of wisdom from uh, your animation <laughs> and film so started off on a good note here. Dude, I was oh, I'm sorry. I think you might have had the wrong people. I'm prepared to answer half of your questions with, did you really think we would fall for that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, give me your worst advice then. <laughs> okay, about what? About uh, pursuing a creative path and making it into a career with your life. As opposed to uh, finding a nine-to-five in an office. Oh, I'd say, first of all, start by working with your friends. That's a nice, I mean, honestly, that's the way, that's the way we began. And that's, I think, a lot of the creative people we know really did begin that way right? Whether they're musicians. Is the question about how to start an animation thing? How to have a career in animation. Do we have a career in animation? I said a creative career. <laughs> Answer friend, however, I, however you see I had a friend who has an actual career and he told me straight up that I do not have a career. So what, what is it that you have? Why are we talking? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, look, we've been, I don't know, because we've been at this for 25 years almost, you know, and I guess there's a, uh, inevitably, if you, if you come to work for eight hours every day for 25 years, someone should know of, of what you're up to. So, so for those unfamiliar, what is it that you've been doing for eight hours every day for 25 years? Well, actually, honestly, lots of things. Uh, we, we noticed that on your list of questions, there was like, why did you guys decide to become directors and, uh, or something to that effect? And yeah. uh, I, I don't remember ever making that decision. I don't think we ever really did. It was like all of our work comes out of what we used to do. As, it's, a, it's an updated, more adult version, I guess, of what we used to do automatically as kids, which is just doodle and make goofy little drawings and n not ask anybody to really like, like you wouldn't get a, a designer to help you finish that drawing. You would finish it all by yourself. And if, you know, uh, and it's really just that, that, that kind of control you had over the uh, completion of a, of a picture is still what we kind of do. And we just had to learn a few we didn't really learn those skills. We just had people come over and give us crash courses, you know, like uh, how do you work a camera? Uh, we asked our friend Edward to come over and give us uh, like just for two hours, explain the camera. Chris had some kind of idea that what Orson Welles said something to the effect, which is if you want to learn how to make movies, you can do it in what? One and a half days. One and a half days. You just have to listen to somebody who knows what they're talking about. And it's not like we, uh, but that's been true for us. I'd say any aspect of what we d we 
done. We've given it about one and a half days of various people who we just ask questions. Exactly right. Whether it's how do you use a camera, how do you make a stop motion puppet, how do you uh, animate in stop motion, how, um, but then how you do you edit uh, your own movie, you get a little bit of advice and then you do it yourself. But then frankly, like, you know, we spent the last few years working um, pretty all the time for the, for the circus. Uh, before the circus LA crashed, we were we had a pretty steady gig making circuit, like participating in the making of circus shows, you know. And it was the same process. Like, how do you make a a, a man on stilts look like a dinosaur? Um, and so you you have you know you talk to people, you get a little crash course, you learn about different foams and different weird things you can you know put on your foot, prosthetics, uh, how to work longer arms by little triggers. And, and then you just do it. Uh, you'll never do it as good as people who actually spend their life as that being their metier. But we are definitely um, tourists in all the uh, faculties. It's just that if you do all of them at the same time, it looks like style. <laughs> Fair. So can you give me maybe some highlights of your career, just so we get a little bit more definition of the projects you've worked on? If I can uh, throw that back on you, I just want to go with the other question. You're, um, did you ever go to school for stop motion? Um, I'm in school right now, actually. For I'm stop motion? Uh, for animation, but I'm, I'm taking some stop motion courses. So, but to and, answer your question before this, no. <laughs> stop but, motion was the thing I did uh, after school in the evenings on my desk because it was my awesome. way that I figured out how to tell stories that I want to tell. Great. So, but why did you? You, okay, so you've got a gig right now in stop motion. Why are you still going to school for it? <laughs> there are many answers to this question that could uh, cause a whole podcast chat. There's a number of reasons. So <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I'm asking the question. No, but you know, I'm curious because this comes down to the idea of what is school good for anyway, right? So you yeah, were, sure. you took animation. You're, you took a kind of more traditional path to animation, but stop motion doesn't have a traditional. Definitely, it's usually picked up over the internet and you try it yourself and then you did that and then you even got a gig and yet you're what is what do you hope to gain from continuing to take it in uh in a formal way but look fucking paul thomas right. anderson studied how to make movies and he makes pretty good movies no no i know but the but, once, but he did but he stopped doing it once he got did the first one sure sure, sure. Well, there's a lot of things that school's teaching me that aren't stop motion related, but more filmmaking, like storyboarding. That, that's fair. I mean, but specifically stop motion. We saw your puppets. They look great. You're, you're, you're done. busting his balls, man. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I, I can't even talk, and you're answering the question for me. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go. Um, well, long story short, I had a career in marketing, and I, I quit it in 2018, and I was very conflicted over going to school or, or trying to do everything on my own. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Sheridan and I have a nice kind of bubble of time for myself where I don't have to take a career seriously for the time being. Um, so I decided to go to Sheridan and kind of pick up everything that I would learn there. And one of the biggest things that I appreciate and I kind of learned from there is just being surrounded by so many other creative people in, a, in like a non kind of work atmosphere where you can just kind of explore and learn off each other. Um, plus the connections like uh, if you saw my Silly Duck Wizard, I made that specifically because Sheridan gave me a space over the summertime to film in their studio and some of the professors helped me figure out all the software and cameras and, and puppets and everything. So 
it's 100% been um, like rewarding and a great learning experience for me. And I know there's still more to learn. To answer your question about stop motion, I, I mean, <laughs> I guess I could just not learn stop motion in school and do it on my own, but that's not uh, kind of how I planned out the next couple of years for myself. So I still think I have a lot more to learn in school. And I also want to learn about other mediums too, like 2D and 3D and, and other forms. Stop motion isn't, even though stop motion has been my thing, I'm still interested in other forms of storytelling and animation. Well, it is magical. Yeah. It really is, right? Like it's a, it's a magic trick. Yeah, you bring you like bring something to life in this drawn out illusion that takes five hours to get a second. And the discovery of of a puppet, the the many levels of realizing the power of the puppet that you have in front of you is 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 magical as well. We're in the yeah, process of building a whole cast for a for another um, national film board project. Oh, nice. And you know, we're uh, it's, it's getting an, all the faces are getting a new layer of oil paint every day. And every and it's just so incredibly fun to watch these things uh, becoming themselves. And so, so you're like you're doing a three D printing, that, like painting, wait. I guess. Huh? You're doing kind of like a three D printing face swap with painting. No, 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 no. That's we're only using the three D printer to make a, uh, some pieces of furniture. Oh, oh, but I mean, like it's the same like face swap that like people are. No, no, with. oh no, 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 we're, no, we're, no, we're actually going a little backwards with this film and trying to figure out if. Um, at some point, we had a lot of ideas about, we were looking at all the different ways the puppets could talk in 2020, let's say. Uh, and the last decade of innovation of um, uh, 3D printing, let's say leading up to its, the, the peak of the mountain of that, I think, which was the last uh, Leica film about a missing, uh, uh, a missing link, yes. And, um, and feeling like, um, there was nowhere to go past that. Um, and so instead of trying to up the technology, uh, we thought we would take puppets backwards in time to, uh, to let's say, night, uh, Victorian puppet shows. And those places, times where an actual, like where, uh, where the puppeteer and the vocal performance was, um, was enough to make a puppet come alive. And so we're actually painting these puppets in a, in a very old style way, like old wooden puppets, almost like church puppets. And to see if we can have them emote and without any um, facial movement whatsoever. Yeah, we're taking a big risk on this one. It was almost yeah. like we were, uh, we were in, in New York for, uh, for a festival and um, across from our hotel was a police bar where the police, like the placement law and order where all the policemen go afterwards. Yeah. And that was uh, where we had drinks every night and we were actually trying to drink, uh, drink, uh, think of- uh, Drink the police out of the <laughs> No, <laughs> we were trying to figure out, um, we were trying to just discuss whether uh, a puppet can still be completely alive if you just put a head on your finger and, and, and go through the gestures. Uh, we both have little kids, and exactly, and and honestly, they react to that perfectly. And there's something there's so that's a good test audience. If you can just you know have when you have kids, you can grab a Barbie or any any kind of like tutu, and then start gesticulating with it, start making little pantomimes with it, and it works. 
And if you add voice to that, there is no question whether that puppet is talking or not. They are. That's what they're saying. And we kind of realized that, um, you know, so every now and then we go to the park uh, in Montreal, like Park La Fontaine, where they from time to time put up uh, like a kind of old Punch and Judy show with a, with a tent uh, and then a puppeteer inside doing some hilarious abstract thing for the kids. And everything works. We just realized that like everything works. And it was, it was like a fantastic revel revelation knowing where, how complex the CGI world is getting and how perfect, you know, the, the, the perfection that it, the singularity that it's reaching. Um, this was actually, this felt like more of a, a risk than, than to try that. And I think Missing Link forced, I mean, you know, Missing Link forced that issue. There's nowhere to go from there. Uh, when you reach a point where CG and stop motion are indistinguishable, uh, you, you gotta go back. You have to, uh, you have to strip the game down to its, to its essence again. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. I think that's a large part of the appeal for stop motion for me. It's that when I watch it, I know that is a physical thing that exists in reality. And, yeah. That's uh, right. That's why you believe it. And which is why that's its power. You believe no matter what happens on the screen because it's actually there. You can actually, and that's why it's magic because impossible things can happen and they're fully convincing. Totally, yeah. I mean, when like every, for me, the best stop motion is when anybody knows it's stop motion. When, when you get to a point where it's uh, so oh, yeah. seamless, it, it seems like it might be CG. I, I appreciate that a lot, but I feel like the best storytelling for me is when if you're going to use the medium of stop motion, I want the audience to really know that it's a real thing and not yeah. confuse them with, is this, is this something else instead? Because I think you lose some of the storytelling of that. Yes, and it, but it's tough for us because, you know, stop motion people also tend to be perfectionists. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, there is this drive towards perfection in your puppets and your animation. Uh, and usually the medium fights against you enough that it shows. But I think at some point, with, if you have a big enough budget and a large enough team, uh, you can win that battle. And win, yeah. that's not a, you know, you don't want to necessarily win that battle. Well, for me, when I make a puppet, you know, I have this idea of how it's going to move. And then when it's actually made, it doesn't move like that. It moves in a, it tells me I can't move like this. I have to move like this. And then it's, it's like this discovery of figuring out how this character moves and their own personality kind of in a in a way it's it's uh strange because in like when i do 2d or 3d you can just do whatever you want you want it to move yeah. this way it moves that way but well, that's, that's a crazy so many... discovery that i was hinting at earlier like let's just let's just say what happened this week uh chris finished sculpting the face of uh the the head uh of one of the puppets uh it was cast and i started painting it uh and when chris finished uh, sculpting it, that was the guy. That's, that's, that's the closest we ever were to the guy. Um, in fact, the minute he stopped sculpting was when it's like, that's it. Like, there's not, not another thing to do. That's the guy. And then you paint it and then you go, oh, that sculpture was merely a canvas, a yeah. blank canvas. This is the guy. And then you kind of like, we talked about what, how shocking that is. And then we realized like, actually, this isn't the guy either. Because then you put a costume on the guy and you go, oh, this is the guy, man. And then 
he starts moving under animation and then ultimately that's the guy and everything up until then had been a canvas i'm just you know imagining I mean? you two like constantly screaming like eureka in a in a, in a room we did it no wait we did it again yeah <laughs> or, or oh we, no it's, it's either that or oh no or, oh no yeah <laughs> oh we did it again <laughs> <laughs> just constant constant screaming you're making everything sound really fun um oh we have Dude, you asked earlier, and we completely brushed over. You asked for highlights from yeah, our, tell me some highlights from our, so to speak, career. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna give you years. that you're not expecting. It was like third month into lockdown, and the first two months, let's just be honest, they sucked. It was it was harsh tokes, man, for two months at least. And then in the third month, like we kind of started getting ready to start making stuff again you know uh like we figured out how to take care of the kids and out of uh, of everything so we could sneak in four hours here and there make deals with our girlfriends that like you get four hours here i'll get four hours there uh and started getting back into the the national film project like our, our stop motion film and and honestly i felt fucking victorious like just starting to get back into it again felt like Oh my God, like for two months I had, I, we were drifting. I was completely more without mooring, uh, no solid ground, uh, didn't know what was going to happen. And then realizing what I'm coming back to was really fucking great. Realizing like, oh my God, I have a life where I get to do this. I get to make the puppets that we invented over beers. Uh, and they're going and it's and soon they will be alive and then soon people will get to see that and I get to do this Kids will see it and they will be giggling as, as they're watching this and like I realized that actually we have a magical life Like this is this is nuts. This should not be happening This should not be sustainable, but we've been making it work for 25 years somehow and I in that in that fucking bleakness of um, March and April uh I forgot about that. I forgot how awesome this is, you know? And when it came back, I'm actually kind of like, I don't know. Uh, I feel unstoppable right now. Like I really want to be doing this. And it's 25 years in, which is a good sign. Like, That's, you're living, that sounds amazing. That's, that's a high what I, what That's I better than any stupid award or any, you know? That's, that's the best. Like when you realize that it was all of this was not wasted. So, well, I mean, what you just described is kind of what I want to pursue in my life. I just want to, you know, be excited about what I'm doing, no matter what year it is, what I'm doing, where I am, whatever. Um, and that's kind of why I've decided to pursue this path. So I'm curious, you mentioned, you know, you've made this work somehow for 25 years. How have you made it work? I mean, a lot of people start out with this dream of working on their things that inspire them and they don't end up in the same place as you just described. So what is it that has allowed you to uh, pursue what you are doing now? Is it, is it your decision making? Is it you don't, um, I, I don't know, your values? Is it, you know, opportunities you've gotten? Like, what is that thing that's driven you to this? Oh, well, I think, look, at for me, like, I love hanging out with Chris. We've been hanging out since college. Uh, if we stopped liking hanging out, we would stop working. 
but working is a pretext for hanging out to a large degree. It's to carry on the fun dialogue, the discourse. Like we did something that a lot of people we know did not do, which is sublimate ourselves into a persona um, to engage, to, 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 to actually dissolve our ego into uh, a, a, an, an endless debate. Um, knowing that there is, that is fucking, knowing how messy the world is and knowing how every idea has a million angles truth is i don't what is it we know that the closest thing to it is achievable through a debate uh, uh, that's the closest you're ever going to get to any concept of truth is by a decent argument and that argument has been running f like for you know since we met and uh if that ever broke there's and of course there's no more art but so you guys are just constantly arguing at each other, and that's... Uh... <laughs> well, it's not always an argument. Well, I mean, it's a debate. It's a debate, yeah. It's a debate. I mean, it's, I'd say it's... Um, yeah, it, it was probably easy. It was easier and more fun for it to be uh, yelling when we were younger, but then that becomes yeah. less fun. I know. And that becomes a lot less fun for the people you're working with uh, at the same time, you know? So... Um, yeah, of course, that's the nature of that's evolved, but that is the, that's the spine of the, of the. So you mentioned um, you are working with the NFB right now. I know you've worked with them before and you're working with, you worked with Cirque du Soleil. Um, how did you end up getting those gigs in the first place? It all just started from a debate. <laughs> oh, well, of course, uh, you're asking me when uh, magic. Like Magic is gone for a. Well, quick, I, I want to know. Not a quick book break, but I'm gonna. Uh, so I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll take this one alone. It's fine. Um, I want to. I want to. You mentioned before, like you don't. It's a relate. You know, it's uh, there was a. That's also the relationships you have with other people. Um, and uh, if you look at the credits of our movies, it's actually not ever just the two of us alone. I mean. I think we can we can take it down to that. Um, it can get that small, but also our career was really started with a, uh, the relationship we had with the producer who discovered us, um, named Marcy Page. And Marcy Page um, is no longer with the National Film Board, but she was a producer there in the English Animation Department and was probably the most. I don't know if there's a more if there's a producer with a better track record of finding people and nurturing their ideas and getting them onto the screen than Marcy Page. Um, and it was, I mean, not just us, but of course, um, uh, the filmmakers of When the Day Breaks, um, Amanda, Wendy. Wendy and Amanda, um, Wendy Tilby, Amanda Forbes, yep. um, who are, I don't know if you've ever seen When the Day Breaks. It's one of the greatest things ever. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. one of the great films ever made. And, With some, and one of the best soundtracks. Wendy Tilby and Amanda Forbins. Yeah. Did I get them backwards? Oh, Lord. Poor, I'm sorry. Oh, fuck. Uh, forgive us, Wendy and, and Amanda. Martha Wainwright did some amazing uh, stuff on that music soundtrack as well. Yeah. And, uh, oh, my God. Judith. Judith. Judith and amazing. Shretz. Yeah. Awesome. Judith uh, Gruber. Stitzer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Judith did an incredible Incredible. Soundtrack. And, and we say that we don't remember, I mean, we, don't, we just couldn't remember her last name. She's a friend of ours. She's actually one uh, of the people who gave us a crash course in soundtracks. So, 
And so what Wendy and Wendy and Amanda gave us, we, who we've never, we've corresponded with over the years, but we've never actually met. Um, that film gave us a crash course in the, let's say the holistic approach to, uh, a holistic approach to animation mm -hmm. and fil animation filmmaking. Because because the, anim the editing in that is sublime. It's the greatest. The, the camera angles are sublime. And it, the, cam the, the courage taking with editing is, is, the, is the bravest I've, we've ever seen in that medium. Yeah, and like that's all yeah. we try to do is to, is to get something as good as that. And what that film teaches you is that you- like We would actually pause it. We, like we would rent it on VHS and pause it and like frame forward and realize, oh my God, this scene is 16 frames and I can draw it for you right now. Like it was just perfect. Yeah. And that's, yeah, so I would say, okay, I guess we're, we're yeah, we're going, uh, this is another shaggy dog story. We're going down uh, when the day breaks, but um, we think that's a, a kind of lost classic, actually. Um, is it lost? Or is it it's not as appreciated as it should be. I think. That's true. That's true. Uh, although Cartoon Brew just did a little uh, appreciation of it, which was very nice. Um, so to answer your question, we owe quite a lot of our career to Marcy Page. Um, and her trust in us to make, uh, to produce uh, Madame Tootley Pootley and to let us uh, explore all of these things that we're talking about within that project over the course of many years. Uh, and that continues, you know, I think we, uh, we have to do a lot of hustling and a lot of writing and to get anything made. Nothing ever is easy for us to get made, but then we find writing as in proposals. Yeah, and then but we find some these things people, take ten years. Some things take ten years, and so really? but and then so but you first of all you find a producer who trusts you, um, and we've been really lucky with that over the years. Um, not as often as we would like, let's say, but it's hap it, when it happens. It's usually it's always been a good relationship with the films that we've actually made, and um, and then it's finding this group of collaborators who many of which have been on more than one film of ours. Yeah. And then it continues to be finding new collaborators um, who are interested in working with us. And, uh, and that's easy, as it becomes easier to work with us, it becomes easier for us to find collaborators. Uh, and that's, uh, that's kind of the exciting next chapter of this. So what is, I mean, you mentioned the debate thing before, but uh, what has really tied you two together to always work together when there have been kind of difficult times like you mentioned one difficult time was at the beginning of uh, lockdown, but over 25 years, yeah, have yeah. been tough, tough parts well, for you? No, there's been times in our career, I, I, I described it, I think, accurately as shit as being in the toilet. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, we actually made a short film called We Eat Shit, and it was kind of about that. Have um, you ever seen that? Uh, I have not seen it, no. You and the rest of the world. <laughs> But that film, <laughs> that film uh, actually did, uh, it was, we made a series of films about these two uh, down and out pigeons that very much were the most uh, honest films we ever made. Um, and were really reflective of how dark our career was at that time. And, but then what actually ended up happening by being able to focus on those films, it in a weird way got us out of the toilet. Uh, it kind of it's true. It started us into thinking about movies in a new way, and around that 
same time, well, I mean, we found a sense of humor about the yeah. failure as well. Like yeah. just realizing that actually this is not a career. This is like we're this is a Hail Mary's past that won't end. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we actually kind of maybe thought these films were it. Um, but then they somehow got us out of it. And then we worked for a filmmaker uh, who probably has a darker disposition than us, a guy named uh, Guy Madden. Um, and, um, and we art directed his film, a live action feature with our colleague, uh, Brigitte. And we, uh, we, we built all his sets and we kind of worked under him. And that was the closest we ever came to actually taking a course where we were working at the service of another filmmaker for, um, you know, several months. And that helped us get out of it too. So, and it really is about, uh, I don't know, it's like, we've been lucky. There always seems to be another ice flow for us to jump onto. Uh, and also like, you know, over without any security. Luckily, the way it seems to work is that over time, you tend to lose a lot of your self-esteem and ego. Uh, it turns, it actually, like the edges get sanded down. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I don't mean that you become less, less of a person or less of yourself. But I think you just become more empathetic and you become uh, easier going. And uh, the, 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 the stress of it stops affecting you as much. You know, it is a hustle. Uh, of course, it's bad for your heart and bad for your brain. But at the same time, like not giving a shit also helps. And, uh, and at some point when you, there's some, you know, we're, we're in our late forties, like, um, there's not another thing to do there. It, we realized very quickly, actually, here's something like that, that, that that's very informative to how we, um, how we look forward to things. Um, is that we know that whatever film we make, we won't actually get to watch it. Like we won't, we won't be watching it like you're watching if you do watch it, Like we'll be, all we're doing is seeing where the bodies are buried. We're, we're seeing a diary of, of the last two years and all of its horror and, you know, and uh, we know that we can never actually truly watch or enjoy the film that we made. So the only thing that we actually have left from like the two years that it took to make, let's say, is m the memories of process. And if we didn't have fun during the process, then we get nothing because we don't get the movie. So all, all we have, if, if it sucked to make the movie and all we have is shitty memories and then we can't watch the movie, then it's worthless. So, you know, no matter how bad it is, no matter how much shit we have to eat, no matter how poor, sometimes making things makes us poorer than we were before we started, you know? But, um, like, it's, we like to have fun while doing it and living in a country like this, that's actually supportable. We don't pay that much for life. Uh, we can afford these weird little experiments. Even if we, here's the thing, even if we, uh, in the dark years, when we don't have a job, uh, when no one's paying us for anything, we come to the studio and, and we start building some weird monkey that we found a photograph of who was like a, a mummified circus monkey. We think, fantastic, and it won't leave our heads. And we think, we gotta build this. And then it changes as we're building it. And then once it's finished, it's just there in the corner of the room. And then something happens. And you, somebody asks you, do you have an idea? And we go, well, we have a monkey. <laughs> and I think 
that can go someplace. And then we go to the bar and then Chris says, that monkey is in a spaceship. And we go, okay, we have something here. We also have a spaceship. This is good. Uh, and, you know, and that led to our, another one of our obscure films, Koshmar. I was going to say, is it called Mummified Monkey in Spaceship? <laughs> no, it's called That's Koshmar. Right. Honestly, look up, if you Google Koshmar right now, you're, you'll see the result of that uh, conversation. Uh, spelled C-O-C-H-E-M-A-R-E. The thing is that, like, you know, the, the, the great thing about animation is that it's a fusion of about, you know, 16 uh, métiers, right? Like, did it come up? It's, uh... I wrong. <laughs> All right, I'll let Magic. This is, so I know. there's, like, okay. You can, you so can there's, like, the there's these moments when, like, you need to, when there's nothing going on, you... You go for a walk, you know, you go for a walk up the mountain. And every now and then there is some weird infestation of snails on the mountain. There are snails everywhere, thousands of snails wherever you go. Like you're walking on the ground that is crunchy and you're going, what's going on? Oh my God, snails everywhere. And after a week of that, you start collecting the snails, uh, bringing a bag home of them for the studio. And then we started realizing that like they're really like our sets. Uh, they somehow crawl out of the bag and they start living inside of our sets. And then we realized like, oh my God, they must be hungry. So we started leaving some lettuce for them and maybe some butter or a little dish of water. And then the next thing we know, like we would lock up for a, a weekend and on Monday, like they did an entire paint job on the wall. Like the set's ready to go. It's covered in the strangest multi-layered slime with bizarre trail things we would never make with a paintbrush and then you're gonna go like okay this is perfect it's done it's done where did this brown and ochre come from like it wasn't there it was cleanly white and now it's perfect and then you kind of go like okay well th then we're you know we're ready to go with something and it came out of just simple play like every now and then when you have nothing to do part of your job here is to play you know I really, I really, I want to go back to something that you said before about enjoying the process because that, for me, that was a big thing that led to me deciding to take this path because I realized that I just lose myself in the process of creating animations. Um, and that to me was more valuable than whatever else I was doing with my career because at the end of the day, I would just look back and be like, oh, whatever, I did that, did this, but it didn't give me anything internally. So, um, right. I really like that sentiment that you said, you know, if you can't watch the film you're making, what do you get out of it? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a, it's a sentiment that happens to a lot of people working in the arts as they get into their mid career. Uh, I don't think that's even an original idea for us. Uh, I think it's a, it's a fairly typical realization that you've made yourself miserable on sometimes even on projects um, that did well for you. Uh, and that, yeah, exactly. That you're, you're wasting your life when you do that. And that you're- Total waste. And that you're losing the, th a lot of us who are into this kind of business are, are doing it because there's some, they're following the whims of their 13 year old or 12 year old self. Um, and so you can't stop listening to that 12 or 13 year old self just because you 
start getting sending invoices or uh you know that's that that person still has to be at the helm or you have to remind yourself of course they can't always be because um <laughs> they, they just can't you ha you have learned things and you do have experience but the, but the basic joy of of that kind of playful of discovery and and play and not doing it for i, I think the big thing is Okay, uh, uh, if you start doing it for results, that's when you're, that's when you're doomed. That's the end. Absolutely. Uh, so when you talk about career highlights. Well, then there's no journey. Like, if, I don't think there's a tennis player or an athlete, like, you, I've ever heard an interview with, whose, whose highlights are the ones you think they are. You know, like, they're not, it's, ne it's never about winning the championship. That's usually a letdown for an athlete. Uh, because it doesn't give them what they thought it would. Um, and that's probably true of artists too. Like your, like your highlight is never, uh, I don't know, like, like the, the Oscar nomination we got, as it fades into distance and memory, the more it fades, the better it is for us. That was mostly a disaster. And I don't even want to talk about why, um, but it, it's, it didn't set us forward as nearly as much as everyone else thought. Yeah. I had fun. I mean, it, right, but yeah, of course. Right. It, was, it was actually really fun, come on. Well, the, yeah. Okay, debate. Yeah, actual week, not always. No, not always. There were, oh, the interviews were insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it was kind of fun to be in LA. And I remember the funnest part was talking when we lost. The funnest part was when we lost. And the then the funnest was, part was when we left and we got wasted and it was super fun. And then we were free again. Yeah. Uh, but then you weren't really free because it kind of follows you around. And anyway, um, I don't give a shit. I never think about it even. <laughs> I was I, fun we met Roger Deakins. It was fun that we met the Cohen brothers and George Clooney had champagne with George Clooney. I remember that as pretty fun. Did you say anything? Oh, yeah, fuck it. it was, you know, whatever. That's not a highlight, though. We would never speak of that. I agree with you. It's an anecdote. It's an anecdote. Exactly right. Stories from Mars. What is, what is the next, next question you want me to ask you? Well, we're still answering the highlight one. You have a second one? That's, we're still on the first question. <laughs> what was your highlight? <laughs> I'm wondering. So. I was going to ask you. Actually, I have a question for you again. Okay. Um, do you find that you get a similar satisfaction doing this podcast and talking to animators as you do animation? Um, I'd, I'd say there are two different satisfactions for me. Animation is like a satisfaction that I just become kind of like myself. I just go into myself and become myself. And like, I'm just in my own little world doing things that I want to do. And this podcast gives me satisfaction because I really like, <laughs> sorry? No, 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 no. It was a sneeze. Oh, yeah. oh I can't yeah. see you guys, so I don't know, what, I, I don't get any visual. Oh, I just coughed into my shoulder. Oh. <laughs> and the podcast, it, it really helps me feel connected to the greater, like what other people are doing and the reason they're doing things that they do. And like, the reason I want to talk to you is because Madame Tuli Putli was like an inspirational film for me when I was, I don't know, I was like 12. It was the first film that I ever bought on DVD. I ordered it, I couldn't believe it. 
And the, the podcast like lets me talk to people like you and discover why you make things and what's going through your head and what were some of the struggles you went through and what are some of the highlights and what is this what is this career for you? Because what I'm discovering about you know coming out of a marketing career and into a creative career, like all of the expectations I had about what this would be like are just being shattered of what I thought all those years of not pursuing this. So it gives me, there are two different satisfactions, I guess. Okay, again, I'm gonna, if you don't mind, I'm gonna take exception with the word career because it isn't that simple. I think like, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's actually a bigger, no, really, there's, a, I think, a, a larger thing going on. Uh, I, I think I've always, I'm always impressed uh, when I meet people who are uh, kind of complete, where you see, uh, you see them, their face, their, the way they wear clothes, the way uh, you see their film, that they just, the films that they've been making. You maybe visit their apartment if you're lucky and you realize that all of those things are the same. Their house is like their movies. Their movies are like their costume. Their, their talk and their personality is like all of that. Like it's a, if, what I like about that and when I feel, I feel actually we've gotten to that level a long time ago even where it's you stop thinking about any of the singular faculties it's yeah. a full picture like your garden my, my terrace looks not unlike the studio uh the studio looks not unlike my house uh, my house looks not unlike chris's house and we dress like our puppets do where we have we have weird stains on our clothes in the same place where we would put that in our on our puppets our sleeves are ripped in a lot of the same ways that our puppets are, you know, in like, it's all a, a, a sort of feedback loop, you know, it's not really about becoming a director or a puppeteer or anything. It's just like a life you live all the time. Uh, I saw a great interview with John Cleese like last week. Um, I guess he has a new book out and he was talking about how when you sleep, like, you know, that idea of like, you couldn't solve a problem before you went to bed for three hours, you were struggling with this, and then you woke up the next morning and you fixed it in five minutes. His suggestion was that it's because actually the eight hours you were asleep, there was a function of your brain, like a little factory in there that never stopped working on the problem. So when you woke up, you actually had the eight hours advantage of having solved that problem, and then boom, there it goes. And I think that that actually is a good way of looking at the whole picture. Like you're constantly in it. Everything feeds back into it. Uh, it's a, it's really like one singular job. It's called your life and it produces a family. It produces a, a, a home you live in and every now and then some films. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, definitely. I, I, that resonates a lot with me. I mean, I, I say career because you know, that's kind of the accepted of what people think, but you're for marketing. <laughs> Hey, what's up? But no, but the reason I chose to do this is because I wanted to just become more of myself. And I had a very emotional moment where I realized that I, if I continued the current path of my life with my career, that I was, that I would just get less and less of myself. Um, and in order to become the person that I am, I had to change things drastically and do this. And so um, I, I, the expectations being shattered, kind of what I was saying before is, is exactly in the light of what you just said of, uh, you know, it's just being you and 
leaning into the world a little bit and you know putting yourself out there as who yeah. you were in, in the world saying oh you know what i accept this is who you are and this is your this is what we want from you kind of thing okay terry let me ask you a question now this is my podcast or your podcast sorry man uh, oh, the goes. I guess we want to make a podcast. Your own podcast. You know that orange puppet you showed us at the beginning with the funny mustache? Yeah. Okay. So uh, the night you finished making that face, when you laid down to bed, the light was already off, and then you put your head on your pillow and you closed your eyes. Do you ever see do you ever see yourself? being that puppet at that moment that that guy just put his head on the pillow as as me as the puppet yeah, yeah while it's happening to you i feel i don't feel that, that i you, am you identified during the making of the puppet you've yeah. so uh, fused that now you think it's that puppet going to bed um it's kind of the opposite for me i feel like i've exported a bit of myself into that puppet um, I don't, I don't feel like the puppet. I feel like the puppet is part of me kind of like, I like what you said before about, you know, discovering the puppet as it comes out and, and you're like, yes, this is it. Cause I, I feel that too, because, you know, especially when puppets are so small, a one millimeter eye difference or eyebrow shift yeah. changes. Change. It doesn't look like yep. it anymore. Another and person. And it's like, until I shift things around and I may take it, for this puppet it took days and days to, to get things perfectly until it was just a instant satisfaction and then it just stopped and then i felt like i had this puppet was a part of me instead of me being a puppet. Okay. are you working on this uh, sorry this is the question uh, are you working maybe your uh maybe your listeners want to learn more about you and they'll think this podcast <laughs> since none of them know who, since none of your listeners know who we are this is their chance to find out about you uh, <laughs> Uh, do you work alone on this stuff? I, ha I have been, yes. I've never worked on a group project. You did so with with a partner. Because um, that's a challenge. Because that's something that, yeah, that's something that I actively want. Um, oh. that's, that's also what school is doing. I'm, I'm being, uh, there's a group film, a group stop motion film this semester, which actually starts tomorrow. <laughs> Um, that I'm really excited about because I've never worked on anything this, uh, I guess you could say creative, that I've done with anybody else. It's always just been myself. I just Listen, every, everything, every production is a secretly somehow a partnership. Even if you don't, you think Martin Scorsese makes movies? Like it's Martin Scorsese and his wife, I bet you. Yeah. Uh, there's, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Christo finally had to admit it. Uh, like the Quay brothers, or you need, you know, you know, you need these two heads. Like you, the actual, it's not that like we came on where we discovered something uh, that some secret island. Like the the re, the reality is that you need two people to make anything. Yeah, I, I or, and, yeah. and the people and the people that will won't disagree with that are probably lying or in denial or they're or they're you know they're just not admitting it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, or, or it's better for the marketing that it that it's be one. A, yeah, it's a straight be story. Cult of genius, like, singular narrative. There's a lot of novelists who would be nowhere without their editors, for example. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Have these a models. writer is a writer and an editor. Do you know what I mean? That everything good is a partnership. Well, that that's something that I really want because I, 
you know, when I come up with ideas, I don't, I can bounce them off other people, but it's, it's, um, there's not like a, a continuous buildup of, of back and forth, I guess. You could well, say. it's a synergy that happens and, yeah. and it can sometimes happen. Um, and it's much more difficult. Uh, I mean, of course, a movie at some point ends up with, uh, can, you know, more than a dozen, uh, half a dozen to a dozen to a hundred people in the credits. Um, but you don't get synergy from a hundred people. You usually get it from two. Yeah. Makes sense. And I think it's really great that you guys have found each other and obviously you've made a, a, a tremendous amount of cool things. <laughs> tremendous amount. We've yeah, made yeah. an amount of cool things. An amount. We've made an amount. <laughs> okay, so what's, uh, what's the next question lined up here? I don't, oh, uh, I actually, we can, we can well, throw why it do you make Why numbers? don't we throw it to the floor? Like, do you, uh, like, does it, does it ever strike you the, about the crazy amount of power that a puppet has? Uh, can you define that a little bit more? <laughs> well, just like how, um, this is something we learned, uh, I think, permanently. One, uh, one of the greatest crash, accidental crash courses ever was uh, seeing um, a first play by uh, Ronnie Burkett. You know what I'm talking about? Canadian marionettes, uh, marionettes. So live-action live puppeteer. Greatest dude in the world, really. Uh, and we went to see one of his shows, um, during which a mother was uh, talk, a mother in Calgary or something like that, and somewhere in the prairies was lamenting about the fate of her son, uh, how he didn't turn out quite the way she wished, and how the, she's embarrassed in front of the neighbors and all these other things. And she's doing this while she's washing dishes, uh, facing backwards to us. So she's working in a sink and you're looking at her from the back and it's a puppet, like, I don't know, less than two feet tall, right? On a stage um, at the Place des Arts in, uh, here in Montreal, where like everybody paid at least 80 bucks for a ticket. And while this was happening, remember like looking over at, so by the way, 80 bucks a ticket is not like kids, right? Like it's the intelligentsia. <laughs> See, it's the, it's, the, it's the art circuit that's here. Uh, the people with taste. And, uh, and I looked around and everyone is leaning forward, completely transfixed, like they were being pulled, pulled by a filament into the puppet. And just slack-jawed in absolute absorb, absorb whatever, uh, completely absorbed. Uh, absorbation, absorbation, <laughs> and, and full absorption, uh, and like it struck us right there. It's like there's nothing Robert De Niro can do that the audience in the cinema would be looking like this. The and and if Robert De Niro was washing dishes for 15 minutes from the back, no one would be no one would be reacting like this. He might he, beg to differ. Okay, well we're on. You're on, hero. Um, you know what I mean? Like there's something so arresting about it that brings us back, like strips away all of the, all the layers you've, of culture you have. You become a kid again. Uh, exactly the same kid who can enjoy a, a, a Punch and Judy show where people are just going, oh, hello, how are you? Oh, I'm good. You know, like you're doing that with thumbs or something or whatever. Um, the puppets bring you back to this naivety and purity where you can believe 
anything, like anything. You can believe a guy becoming a fish. Like if somebody becomes a fish in, an, in, 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 as, as pup, in a puppet show, what are you going to say? You're going to be incredulous? That's insane. Of course he became a fish, right? And that's like you're, it's working into that part of your brain, which is just holy. Like you're, there's nothing you've, nothing you've learned about the world can fuck with this, with the perfect beauty of this. Well, it's, it's like a suspension of reality, I think. As, yeah. soon, as soon as you see, like if you're watching a TV show and it's a drama, you're, nobody would turn into a fish. That would be ridiculous. Unless it's a fantasy drama, then it, you, you, you like accept, you change your state of mind going into something before you even experience it, I guess, based on what it is. So with, with puppets, yeah, I guess, I guess you could say they're powerful. Like I... I like stop motion specifically because it's like a bridge between uh, like a real space that lives in this world, but it's fantasy and magical and you can do things that can't happen, I guess, but it's still happening and it's real. Um, so yeah, I think, I think they're powerful. I mean, I guess you, the answer to your own question is you would say yes too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, nice talking to you. We got it. Well, if you said no, here's no. Uh, sorry, you're, you're no. right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so, okay. So you, you obviously, you guys are storytellers and you mentioned, you know, you've worked on some really interesting projects and the current project you're working on the NFB, you know, you're trying, you're trying to find an innovative way to be innovative with stop motion when technology, I guess, is out of the question. In a, in a sense of, I, I don't know if I put that very, very well or did justice. Well, let's say we clarify it, we'll try to do it in an interesting but way. But I, I guess, what, what, is, what are the stories that, you're, that you guys want to tell? Like, what is it that you're pursuing that you find really interesting? Because, you know, you could be two guys who are, I don't know, painters instead of storytellers and, and having all this. Too. This is what, I, what we meant by, uh, actually, the trajectory was never... Film is actually only a fraction of what we do for the most part. We do, like, we can spend weeks making strange hats. Um, if for somebody. Purpose. Yeah, or really. Well, that was for the circus, yeah. What is a strange hat? Tell me about a strange oh, hat. Oh, man, they're really strange. They were crazy, yeah. They were that's really crazy. Matter. Doesn't matter. Craziest hat. Give me, give me the strangest one. Describe it. No, it's, it's impossible to describe. I donated them to my, to my daughter's kindergarten. <laughs> Seriously. They're all at the kindergarten. <laughs> but they're impossible to describe? <laughs> they're impossible to describe. I don't know. We have no, um, we have absolutely no uh, rules about this uh, what's, whatsoever. Um, we are not, we have no kind of, uh, any kind of agenda at all for the kind of stories we like to tell. Um, sometimes I think for the, uh, you know, and then, and then the more you tell the story, the more it becomes a lie anyway. Like, I, I could tell you yeah. right now the reason we're making a stop-motion movie again. And at some point, it was, at some point, it was uh, a desire to return to, a, uh, to, to make another tradition, let's say, traditional puppet film. Um, but it's not. And then, and then at some point, we thought, well, that's kind of boring. We have a traditional puppet film with a traditional story. Maybe the maybe the experiment is actually in the storytelling itself. Um, Look, when but then by the time it's over, I think 
let's yeah. say by the time we hand in this film, whether it's uh, uh, an interesting failure, uh, which would be ideal, I don't know, all that motivation is probably, uh, it's, it's gone. It's been replaced by other motivations, which were replaced by other motivations, which were replaced by other problems that were solved in a way that totally erased whatever the initial idea was. The world uh, is messy. It's, it's a, you're saying it's a process and a journey, really, instead of yeah. a, it's a process. Well, actually, there's something, you know, we realized at some point that, like, uh, we're, into, uh, we're into making the ideas that we get. And, and ideas actually are, rule the game here. They're the highest authority. That it, like, ideas are the highest currency that we have. Um, and sometimes an, and an idea actually guides you towards its own end. Uh, some ideas, when they occur to you, um, insist that they are manifested in, as a pencil drawing. And you know that. There are some things that are like to be drawn, not to be sculpted or to be, you and know what I mean? Sculpted, it, it doesn't work. Exactly. It's not even for that. The idea never asked you to get your sculpting tools out. The idea asked you for a pencil. And, and if that's the idea, then that's what you do. Uh, and, and then you get another idea, and that one wants to be um, painted with paints, flat. And you do that. Um, you obey the idea till the end. You trust that, you know what I mean? Even if it, you just implicitly trust it. Uh, and if the idea is to make a film, then you have to listen to that. If the idea wants to be manifested as film, not as a comic book or as a, or, you know, a, a novel, then, uh, then you have to obey that idea's authority and shepherd it through to the end until it exists. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that's why like, you, you're a director when, when there's cause to be a director. Otherwise, you can be one of 19 other things. And, that's the, and honestly, it's the same thing. Well, I'm not even, you know, the last project that we made was this virtual reality project. Um, uh, called Gymnasia with, and that was, I don't, do you direct a virtual reality project? Uh, I guess tech, yes and no. It's sort of, it ends up being our credit, I think, or does it say creative? I don't even I know don't if even our know. credits is directed. It definitely didn't feel like anything you'd normally say directed because you're not even directing someone's eye. It's almost like the, in, v, in VR, the viewer is almost the director. Um, exactly. So, for us, that's not even necessarily a, a title that we need. But it was the really French have a much better, much more useful. Uh, sorry to be pretentious here, but they have the uh, mise en scène, the metteur en scène, like somebody who puts things on stage. Uh, this this is what they often use instead of uh, director, which seems much more actually genuine. Like that's actually what we're sometimes doing is we're putting things on stage. Do you know what I mean? I wanted, I wanted to Very also... Positive. We tied you into a pretzel. <laughs> I've never had an interview quite like this, and I'm... I'm also, doing... also, there's like, a, there's something, like, there was, you know, an interesting moment, for example, when, when we were uh, making, when we, uh, we were working with the Phi Center uh, here in Montreal on a, on a project called Koshmar that we talked about earlier. Uh, and it was like all the rage at that time to make everything in 3D, like everything, like the new Captain America movie was like, you can see the Captain America movie or see it in 3D 
at the IMAX, you know, like everything had to have a fucking 3D version. It was, you couldn't get out of it in a conversation. And, um, and so we, you know, like they asked us for a pitch and we pitched them the story with the monkey and the spaceship. Uh, and kind of disappointingly, the suggestion came from the table that like, hey guys, how about making it in 3D, right? Which instantly made our, our skull creak uh, and, you know, back off and get a little bit nervous, feel the electricity in the legs. Uh, and we said, haha, uh, we'll think about it. And then of course, like, you know, we went out afterwards, uh, sat over pints and went like, why are we artists? Like, why did we get into this? Is it to have a fucking ideology? Are we like, are we working in, in an, a zone of exclusion? Like, did we decide what we don't want to do and what's left for, for us is what's in the square left in the middle? Like, fuck no. And, and in fact, like, if, if the idea is to walk into a situation with, um, like, with a foregone conclusion that, like, whatever happens, I'm not going to do it that way. Well, geez, like, you're not an, you're, th why are you an artist? Or are you like are you are you like a, a watercolor painter? Is that is that what's happening here? Like, or are you an artist? Uh, honestly, if somebody says, "Can you make it in acrylics?" Are you gonna say, "No, no, I'm a watercolor painter." Like, uh, like the, we had to actually just the very fact that that was suggested suggested uh, to make the 3D film, and we rejected it out of some kind of premise was grossed us out. It took us a few points to really realize this, but we realized that we had grossed ourselves out. Like we had really let ourselves down. That is not why we are doing this. It's we are not doing this in order to like strike the same nail on the same head every single time, like, 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 like pros. That's not what this is. In fact, making it in 3D is, was the opportunity to make that into, a, you know, to get on a raft and sail the Atlantic. Um, some, something where you had no idea what's going to happen. And that was, that's the first project we started having fun on, honestly. Was when, when we broke that barrier, when we went, you know what? This is not about, like, we got to roll with this shit. We have to actually, we, for the sake of our sanity and, and the survival of our, like, spirit, uh, we cannot have exclusion. I actually listened to at some point to, like, an REM interview where they talked about how they do work that way how they've decided that they're not going to do this they're not going to do that they're not going to do this or that and what and so they were very happy with that kind of obstruction but i totally get that too by the way that they had built themselves where they could fulfill themselves without worrying about the rest of the world i totally get that too but that, for some reason we find that boring like that's that means that you're not open to something that happens tomorrow do you know what i mean yeah, I think actually, so it's, I would say the, the, the patron saint of Clyde Henry is not, uh, it's not Spankmeyer, it's, it's David Hockney, if it's anybody. Like Absolutely. David Hockney is our hero, um, much more than the obvious stop motion characters. Tropes. Uh, like that, that are his, his sense of reinvention and experimentation um, I'm going to say like, it's, it's the flaming lips, you know, as well, like just go for 40 years and keep going, be as wild as you can take, make the most embarrassing risks, crash on your face, 
but like it's you're you know you're creating mythology it's it's beautiful there's nothing wrong with it so in in that light one of the first questions i asked you was uh can you bestow some wisdom on us oh yeah there you did we accidentally yeah yeah google david hockney <laughs> He has all the wisdom. Sorry, Terry. Fucking, we did it again. Oops. Damn it. <laughs> Answer my questions. You squeezed a thesis out of us. Um, one, maybe one last question I have, and you kind of hinted on it, and you talked talk to me about this before. Uh, what is your theology on, on school? School's good. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It's hard to ask <laughs> me now. I have a daughter who's going to grade five, so I tell her to get through it. Um, I have, what, I mean, um, like you asked me why I'm going to art school. Are you talking about art school? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, fuck. I'm talking about the institution yeah. of school in general. Well, I think it's as stupid as it seems. Everybody knows how stupid art school is, but like, but you do learn things. Like, um, you know, you meet people. The great, you meet people, and the uh, that's it. That's really it. You meet people, yeah. and then there's the the great okay. thing about art school. It's not art school itself. It's like the it's the wake of art school. It's the 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 horrible year you experience after you've finished art school and are now in the real world, realizing you have zero skills for the real world. Yeah. And you and you're upset about the entire experience, uh, and uh, you begin the healthiest process of all time, which is the unlearning of all that. However long it took you to learn stuff through art school you then from once it ends you unlearn it uh and that process is actually how you become uh a career artist terry yeah. you know what i mean like it's actually that's that's the exciting part that's the part where like you realize you learned how to do like spatters you learn how to do uh full finishes you learn how to do patinas you even know what that word is now you know you know how like, um, you know that there's a relationship between um, lighting gels that, that do this and that. If you want turquoise, you do that. That if you want yellow, you do that. You have to, be, if you want, how do you make brown light? Like all these things, th those are the things you actually are taking out of that experience as you're unlearning and, uh, and applying it to your future work. What are, Honestly, that makes your future work richer is to have once learned and then unlearn that. It's better. Yeah. And never learning it at all. You know, I've been listening. Have you been, um, Terry, have you been listening to uh, the Roger Deakins podcast? I have not been. Uh, do you know what I'm even talking about? No, but I'm going to look it up right now. Roger, oh, Roger Deakins and, um, uh, and his wife, James. And Roger Deakins and his wife are a great example of one of those partnerships you've never heard of. Uh, and it's really very apparent once you start listening to the podcast and realize how closely they've worked together for decades. But also what's really interesting about that, so Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, uh, talks to other cinematographers. And one of the things that's, and, and lots of people who do uh, work in, in movies. And one of the interesting things about him talking about um, with his peers um, from England in the 70s and 80s, uh, is that more than one of them came through working on BBC documentary. First of all, they all came, none of them went to film school, um, these great documentary, uh, these great cinematographers. Usually they went through some kind of guild uh, program or, or apprenticeship 
But then the great ones had this moment um, in the 80s when they started doing what they called something like music promos is what they were called then. And basically it meant music, like the uh, proto music videos. And that's when they got to play and experiment. And a lot of them found the voice that they later used uh, in movies. Um, and I think that's exactly what we're talking about here. And that's, it, it's, it's the denial of school. Like, it's not the denial of working. These are actually gigs. But what, what music videos in the 80s did for that generation of cinematographers was give them a, a playground uh, yeah. and a place to experiment. Yeah. Uh, and we're still seeing the results of that. That became the greatest generation of cinematography. Spike uh, Jones's. Uh, and, and Spike Jones, of course, as a director, came out of that too. It has not, and, and how little any of that has to do with film school, as we understand it. It's about, um, it's about playing in this, in this place that actually people thought was meaningless. The reason they were playing was because they thought they were doing garbage for nobody. Um, so it gave them a chance to, and there was, there was, there was no chance of going to uh, uh, the Oscars with a, with a British rock promo in 1987. Uh, you were doing garbage that was gonna be thrown away. And so they all became great. Um, that's all really I was going to tie it into something but uh, I think it's uh, tie it I think, up man I mean, there's no reason to tie it that's it uh, uh, other than uh, you know um, don't just subscribe to Terry Stories I recommend uh, Roger Deakins and the website has a great uh, forum as well for those of you who have more technical questions about cameras uh, anyway that's all I have Okay, but I really recommend it, and it ties into this question of of education. Gotcha. Which, yes, which also I think ties into the idea of be careful of of learning a dogma in school. I think that's one thing we've realized with people who come to us, who come from a film school background, or people we're looking for to work on films. Um, people who, let's say, in two D animation, draw in the animation workshop or Goldblatt style or the Sheridan style. Uh, that's a great way to get a okay job on an okay TV show. Um, but if your ambition is to be hired for really interesting projects, uh, you have to develop your own style. Like Adventure Time didn't come from copying the Sheridan style. It's more like now at Sheridan, they teach the Adventure Time style. The CalArts style as it's called now. The CalArts, is that what it is? Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, now it's known as the CalArts style, but, uh, you know, at the time it was near and fresh. No, I 100% I, I get what you're saying. And I, I think you can take school very seriously and, and follow that dogma, like you're saying. And I also think you can take school as kind of like that playground because you're thrown all these different projects and, you can do whatever you want. Like, there's no real percussion yeah. other than. Well, that's the answer, really. You can really do whatever. Like, art is for that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, and if your parents are paying, just say, "Was I'll, it? I'll uh, get a job after this. I promise." <laughs> well, that's 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 another complicated issue. If your parents are paying and expect you to. Oh, just lie to them. Well, that was like everybody else. Yeah, you, know, you said half of uh, one of the greatest statements about art. Um, Picasso said this, man. If I can quote the man. Um, the art, is, what was he, something to the, okay, I'm going to fuck it up somehow, but 
It was that art is, uh, the great thing about art is that you can do absolutely anything you want. Anything you want. The only caveat is that you cannot do it twice. Yes, there. Right? Because, and that's so smart. Like the, the, the idea there's like, well, why not? Well, of course you can do it twice. No, of course you can do it twice. It's true you can do it twice, but the second time it won't be art. No, then it's, uh, then it's right? a standardized so you process. Now you have a business. Yeah. At that point, it's craft, actually. It's the other thing. It's the crafts, you know? And by the way, this is not just, that's how Netflix operates, you know? Um, that's how a video game designer operates. This is not um, two crazy stop motion guys in Montreal. Um, that's just, I mean, any, any, uh, any creative business that's successful runs with these same principles. Yeah. Sounds like, sounds like you guys are definitely running with that principle. I'm wondering, do you also but have success, but <laughs> you don't confuse anything we say for success. But yeah. That's... <laughs> I don't know what I'm, I don't know how I'm gonna you just reflect a lot. Yeah, we wouldn't even be on this if you weren't <laughs> if, you would, if you hadn't bought that DVD when you were 12. Yeah, right. Well, somebody recommended I also talk to you, and so there we go. Oh, well, that's there we go. Cool. So, okay, well, we appreciate it nonetheless. Let's let's wrap up this chat a little bit. What is there any kind of sentiment that you know somebody's been listening to this uh, this this conversation? <laughs> Is there some kind of sentiment you want to leave them with or final words or regrets or thoughts? Yeah, just the usual apologies that we have at the end of any long conversation with someone. We're sorry for... Sorry, I don't know. Yeah, wasting your time. Yeah. For the path we went down. Uh, no, I think we've, uh, I think you've got uh, the best and worst of us. Boy, well, that wasn't, if it was the worst, it wasn't that bad, so... Well, it's been a, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure enjoying Thanks for pulling us back in. Hey, so it'd be great to, uh, 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 one day we'll hang out at a film festival somewhere when, um, when humans are allowed to do that again. Well, I was going to come make the track for the Montreal Stop Motion Film Festival, but now it's online. So uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, you're welcome here if you want to come by. Yeah, you have a standing Im invitation to the studio. You can see what these puppets look like in the... Uh... It's a fun place. Well, thank you so much. That's, I'll stick you up on that sometime. That's actually what we ended up having kids. I can feel like, the snails off the walls. How about that? We, like, we decided to have kids pretty much because the studio was so fun. <laughs> that it was kind of wasted. Like, there was somebody who should have been enjoying this who didn't exist. It was like a baby-sized hole in the air. <laughs> Do your, do your kids help out on your projects? Oh, yeah. They have, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Once they get old enough to uh, help us with video animatics, we, uh, we, ex we exploit the crap out of them. Every project. <laughs> every project. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not sure this is true or not, but I don't think you have to pay children. No, you don't have to pay children. <laughs> and they're grateful. <laughs> Tell that to, to farmer yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah, on that note of child exploitation, maybe we should call it a day. All right. Well, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on the chat. It's been a pleasure to hear your stories and just so nice to meet you, Gary. Um, right. Take it cool. easy. Good luck out there.
Thanks, you too. And if you're listening and you want to check out um, Chris and Machek's work, you can do so by heading on over to their Instagram, which is Clyde Henry Productions, and I'll include that in the description of this chat. So thanks so much for listening, and that's all for now. Okay, bye. Hey,